Welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And my dad, Robert Robb, is not here today, but I'm excited to talk about clean elections with the executive director of the clean, uh, Citizens Clean Election Commission, Tom Collins. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Billy. Uh, happy to be here. Um, just a quick caveat, since it's uh, since we're in a political season where there's some clean election stuff on the ballot, and I want to be able to be as candid as possible. All right. Um, I'm I, I am the executive director of the Clean Elections Commission, but I am not here authorized by the Clean Elections Commission in any way. Uh, I'm here on a Saturday. Uh, and I'm uh, therefore uh, exercising my rights under the First Amendment, Article 2, and 16.192 of the Arizona Revised Code. <laughs> Thank you for the disclaimer, Tom. You have a, a lawyer by background. I am, yes, I am, in case that's not evident. <laughs> so we're talking about clean elections, and the clean elections was established in Arizona in 1998 with voter approval. Uh, a voter approval, the Citizens Clean Election Act. And I was in middle school at the time, so wow. I don't remember the situation, but uh, it seems like people had a sense that there was corruption or undue influence by I think, I think money that, in those campaigns. I think that. that, yeah, I think there were a couple of different uh, factors that led to the, the, the Clean Elections Act passing. And, 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 you know, some of the critics note that it passed narrowly, and it did. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think, I think uh, you know, I, I was uh, myself, I guess I was finishing college around that time, um, uh, and I uh, was stringing for the Daily Star doing uh, candidate coverage. I didn't cover this campaign, though. But I think um, talking to the folks who were involved in it, that it kind of snuck up on folks, and, and, and so the chamber folks didn't get, I don't think, reacted to it as quickly as they might have because it was kind of like, what is this weird thing? And so then, it didn't have the opposition that it might if it... Right, if it had been people, higher profile. Okay. Um, but, you know, in the 90s, there were a couple of things that, 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 that happened, some of which are um, related directly to uh, corruption of campaign finance and then other kinds of corruption. I mean, you went from uh, the impeachment of, of Governor Meekum, uh, which had a, a, a campaign finance slash uh, use of the uh, governor's uh, um, sort of had a, had a, had a fund that he, that he oh. was allowed to use for certain things. Uh, aspect to it, you had um, ASCAM, which was which is the famous uh, um, uh, event, so to speak, where um, uh, an undercover operation by the Maricopa County uh, Attorney's Office had had literally did have um, uh, uh, legislators uh, um, trading their votes for duffel bags full of cash. I mean, the meta- metaphor was like the, the real thing. So there's the desire to clean up the. The elections yeah. by having it more transparent and having an option for public finance. Right. And there's 15 states right now, I think, that have variations of clean elections. The one here in Arizona has a five-member commission yeah. that's supposed to carry out this system and, okay. and the law that was put in place. It's funded by a surcharge on civil penalties and criminal fines. That's right. right. So like a traffic ticket. That's correct. A yeah. surcharge of... Ten percent. Yeah, I think go, that's go, right. goes yeah. to that. Yeah, it's it's and, and if you look at the total surcharges, there's a, there's, we're I think we're the first surcharge that went in place. We're one of the first. There's now a, a number of surcharges. So now the total amount of surcharges that you get on a on a, on a ticket is something like eighty three percent of the to, of the of the base fine. Um, we're we're about uh, uh, you know we're we're basically uh, one, an eighth of that. All right, in the. Intention of it, or the one of the main intentions, was to provide 
public financing of campaigns. So if someone wanted to, to run for right. office, uh, instead of seeking out private donors and things like that, that they would get taxpayer money or I guess this penalty. Uh, Public money from well, these surcharges. Yeah, to, to and do and that. that's and that's always been the that's always been one of the issues. I mean, just that description is how do you how do you describe it? I mean, the, the the there's a there's a like almost any political issue, um, how it's frame you know folks who don't like it frame it as taxpayer money. I mean, the the committee that's been formed already, uh, apparently to uh, try to de- um, address well, well to. To on this, uh, we'll, we'll get to later. We'll talk refer- later. We'll talk referendum. later. There's a you know, it says something about taxpayer money. You know, uh, at the end of the day, the, the most important point the commission's always made on this is look, there's no denying it's public money. The, the issue is that it is, um, and, and, and there, there were challenges brought right away, um, to this use. Uh, Steve May was a former representative, uh, brought a case, went all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court, and the Arizona Supreme Court said, no, this is this is this is. Appropriate, you know, the First Amendment challenge. Um, but the the most important point is that um, it's not general fund money. It's 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 uh, it's uh, it's uh, um, it's a, it's not draining money. It's not taking money away from schools. It's not taking money away from you know public safety or anything like that. It's its own it's its own fund. It's its own draw. And right now it's it's election season. The primaries are just around the corner. The midterm elections are coming up in November, and so you guys are very active right now. Uh, I've been on your website. It's got great information uh, about about registration. You can type in your address, and it'll show you who's running in your uh, in your district. You guys are putting on debates. Uh, mm-hmm. Just this week, I watched a uh, a debate between the uh, the primary debate for the Republican side uh, for running for the Secretary of State, yeah. Michelle Reagan and, and Steve Gaynor. Yeah, uh, that was on Horizon, sponsored by you guys held lots of other debates in, in different districts with candidates running. Um, have you I, moderated any of those debates? I have not. <laughs> I've, 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 I've been tempted, uh, but I'm not sure. I've been to uh, – I, I, was, I was out this week uh, at uh, District 18. I'll uh-huh. give you an example. The, these debates, um, you know, back – uh, you know, five or six years ago, we used to have a we had a we have we have a statute and, and we have some rules. The statute says we're supposed to host debates for everybody. We had a rule that said only if if there were no quote unquote clean or participating candidates in a in a race, we wouldn't host a debate. And that statute said you shall host debates. So the law that was passed in ninety eight says you you, you shall, shall host you debates. shall you shall hold debates you shall mandate the, that the participating candidates come and you shall invite the non participating candidates. So there's nothing in there that said if there's two non participating candidates you, you don't have you, you don't have you a can't debate. or don't have a right. debate. Right, we had a rule still, that right. said that. So we we changed that rule about uh, about five years ago. And I tell you what, I think that was one of the better one of the most important changes we made in, in all the things you just described because. Just to give you an example, this week I was out of District 18, so that's Ahwatukee, uh, South Tempe, a little bit of Chandler. You know, very uh, competitive district um, in terms of Republican and Demo- Democratic candidates. We had one clean candidate, but we had every single uh, Republican and Democratic uh, House uh, candidate from the primary. Mm-hmm. So there's three running, three Democrats running for two slots, three Republicans running for two when slots. When you say clean, clean candidate, means they uh, are the ones that accepted. Right. So one right. thing you do is you have the option for, if I'm running for right. you know, the, the state house, right. I can uh, decide to run clean 
which means I, I agree. I think you have to get a certain number of five dollar donations from That's people. Yeah. And once you qualify, uh, I don't or I'm not able to campaign and, and get money from other sources. I have to take the set amount that's given through this fund uh, by you guys, and then I'm a I'm a clean candidate. That's that's correct. So you have a very you have a limited amount of, of what we call seed money that you can raise. That's outside of the five dollar qualifiers. But even there, the limits are about are one hundred sixty dollars. To give you con- to contrast that, the limits for a legislative candidate uh, now are like fifty two hundred dollars or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe le- maybe you know some, somewhere around that. So you're still limited to only one hundred sixty bucks. You're limited in, in the total amount. There's a cap on that. Uh, and then, yeah, once you're, once you're, once the qualifying period is over, and then you, assuming you qualify, and a lot of people, a lot more people start than qualify. Okay. I, I don't have precise numbers. So it's not like just anyone can just say, "Oh, I'm running," it's, you know. And well, I think people find it's more difficult to, and this is this is one of the, the ironies of clean elections, right? On the on the in terms of the public uh, uh, funding part of the program, folks, I think think it's it's easy to do this, you know, and, 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 and every once in a while you'll get a candidate who, who, you know, might represent a view that, that people think is, 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 is on the fringe or what have you. But, you know, I've, we've seen candidates who are mainstream candidates struggle to get the number of $5 qualifying contributions necessary. Um, yeah, and, I know. And, yeah. I know I've been on the, you know, being on the Facebook pages with this teacher thing, there's a lot of teachers running and I'm, I remember seeing, a lot of messages from people on different boards saying, I'm this many $5 donations away, spread the word. So yeah. definitely doesn't seem it's, it's not supposed, easy. It's and not supposed to be easy. And I think people... Because you want to get serious, you want to get serious candidates that's right. uh, to kind of avoid probably people that might just say, hey, I'm running and they don't actually run. Or right. they, Well, they, we, we want them to show, we want the, the point of the $5 qualifying contributions is to show that they have actual support of actual voters statewide, you know, in Arizona, and uh, and and um, uh, in their district, if it's a legislative district, and you know, and that and that and that, it may turn out that you don't have uh, you know a couple hundred friends. You know, that means you, you know you're maybe they're not really active in your community. I mean, you actually right. have to be part of the community to, to be able because it's got because it's got to be in your district. If you, for example, you can't just go to your work and say, hey, give me five bucks. If everybody work, lives all over the place. That doesn't do it for you. Right. It's got to be. It's got to be folks who live in your in your district. So you've got these debates going on yeah. before. So before clean elections, were those debates? Because you get you guys you guys do the debates. You right. stream them on Facebook. Uh, from what I've seen, you've, you've had pretty pretty good attendance at these. Yeah. Uh, but you also stream them on Facebook if you're not able to be there. If clean elections didn't exist. Would these debates be happening? Were they happening before the commission was established? You know, um, before the uh, before the commission was established, you know, the League of Women Voters was one of the major organizations involved in the establishment of the Clean Elections Commission, and the League of Women Voters has has for decades been sort of, uh, you know, nationally uh, uh, one of the uh, organizations that most cares about getting sort of a nonpartisan stage for a debate to happen. So. I, I, I suppose that in the you know if the, if the commission wasn't there, the league would 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 have the opportunity to step in. But but I think that that what what the voters did and the league helped do this by establishing uh, the the funding for these debates, it allows us to uh, 
by having a dedicated fund, it allows us to get that message out to as many people as possible, which, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, it's kind of, there's the kind of the, one of the fundamental, um, I would say ideological uh, uh, differences between folks who don't like clean elections in general and the folks who are pro-clean elections is you have to make a decision about whether or not political campaigns, political c- campaign events, if you will, or speech, because we, you know, we see that the act is promoting speech, or people don't like it, see it as not. But, uh-huh. but the, it says right in the uh, in the act's preamble that it's to promote free speech under the Arizona and, 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 and U.S. constitutions. So we see that as a public good. There's an alternate view that says that campaigns are private until you get to government. One and of the critiques being you don't we don't want public money going towards a specific person's or or perhaps running. even or perhaps even this whole idea of, of the debates. I mean, you could say, look, if if someone wants to go to a debate that's hosted by an, a trade association or the League of Women Voters or what or or mm-hmm. or a or a union, that's fine, but there's why why should we spend government money on it? And and, uh-huh. and our answer my answer to that is because this is a public good. Participation in elections in a democratic republic is a public good. And so I think that's what the voters d- uh, mm-hmm. determined. I mean, but on attendance, I'll just give you an example of how these things have, how these things have grown. District 18, two years ago in the general election debate, we, uh, are the, we, we reserved a hotel uh, a conference room in, uh, right off the 10 in, 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 uh, on the border between Tempe and Ahwatukee, basically. We'd be, uh, we're Ahwatukee Chandler and and uh, Tempe all meet. Right. We filled that room to overflow capacity. I mean, and people were actually kind of upset because it was, you know, so it was it was too packed, and and, and we didn't expect it. We didn't we didn't we didn't anticipate that. This year we, we went to a different. We still use hotel conference room. We used one at twice the size of the one we used uh, in 2018 for the general. And this is the primary now, mm-hmm. and we filled that room. I mean, it was it was it was. Uh, uh, um, uh, um, I mean, the most. I mean, I, I just and I don't know. I, and, you know, districts will vary. Attendance will vary. Competitive districts always. <clears throat> get more course, attendance yeah. than than others but but the fact that we doubled the size of the room and then still filled it yeah i thought was a, a a good indicator of a the interest in politics and b why there ought to be a a, a, a you know a, play, a you know some central thing for the community to come together uh, that, to to watch debate and that might be another reason for it being a public good or a or a public interest is that some of those races that might not get right. a lot of the attention in, in another another way, we'll have at least a venue for participation and, and, and that, debate. That that that's how we see it. And, and actually, the public financing piece. Uh, there's a study. I don't I don't have the citation in front of me. I can I can I could get it pretty quickly if I looked it up. But I think that would break up the um, thing. But there's a study done by a, a professor that um, it's actually Vox did an article on it that cited this. So you could Google Vox clean elections and probably find this uh, article. I think he tweeted it out. Didn't yeah, you? yeah. This guy, this guy, Tom found, Collins, AZ. Yeah, right. Twitter yeah. handle. Well, I'm, well, I've, I have two Twitter handles. I have if it's if it's AZ clean elects exec, it's work, and if it's Tom Collins, AZ, that's my personal opinion. And we're talking to the Tom Collins, yeah, AZ that's Twitter right. handle right <laughs> that's now. That's right. But the, the, but this professor found that you know that that truly and this makes sense. That voters interacted more with candidates if they were doing the if they were doing the five dollar qualifying than they did if they're privately funded because if they're privately funded there there's really no 
obligation to go out and 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 you know go to door to door. There's different styles. There's different districts. Different districts have different ways of of, of doing things. Some of it has to do with how balanced the district is, you know, and because in Arizona, some of the you know just the way it's set up, the primaries can be more important than the general because of the the uh, party distribution. But but that that was one of the findings, one of the key findings. So so it all you know it all kind of comes back to. You know, and this just to get to kind of what I think we're sort of alluded to earlier is what is clean elections? Is clean elections, you know, a a public campaign finance program? Yes. Is it a voter education program? Yes. When the when you look at the language of the act, it says the voters of Arizona create a clean election system. And and, and and what I take that to mean is is that and and this is this I think again is the reverse of how um, folks who work in politics look at it. Folks who work in politics are candidate focused, even though they think they're voter focused, they're not. They're candidate focused, and that's true for the media as well. Clean elections mandate is to be voter focused. So the five dollar program has voters interacting with candidates. The uh, um, the debates provide an opportunity to interact with candidates that might not otherwise exist. We do this candidate statement pamphlet that goes to every household in the state uh, in English and Spanish with their candidates. That's another opportunity. It's an opportunity also to hear directly from the candidate without any uh, you know, I noticed, interference. I noticed that when I was going through the website yeah. that if you click on who's running in your district, you see uh, something written by the yeah. by the candidate. Yeah, and we don't so, and we don't mediate that at all. I mean, that's a that's a that's a that's that's their uh, opportunity to to say what they want to say. And that's probably one check on I think one of the concerns maybe with with a government agency or, or a branch of the government that is operating elections is how do you keep it nonpartisan? How do you keep right. one side from from right. imp- impacting it uh, in that way? Yeah. That's probably one way is keeping that communication unfiltered from the campaigns. Right. Uh, what other, um, what other, I guess checks or, or, or ways that you see it's being nonpartisan or staying nonpartisan, sure. no matter who, no matter who's sitting on the commission or right. not, or who's the executive director. Well, part yeah, no, that's that's a really important question, and 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 I think I think that folks who pay attention to politics who look at the redistricting commission which has a similar setup to the Clean Elections Commission, but has had, in both iterations, has been very, very politicized. Now, part of that's because redistricting is the most political thing in politics, right? Yeah. So it's sort of a natural that that would be. Uh, so, um, but what we've had the advantage of, I think, is that um, um, uh, it, it's an institutional value, and we've been lucky uh, um, with the appointments that have been made by, by you know, the way we, so the appointment process is an important part of this. Um, the governor appoints, uh, and then alternatively, and then the leader of the of the party out of power appoints alternative in alternative years. So right now it has been going back and forth between Governor Ducey and Senator Katie Hobbs, who's the as the minority leader of the Senate is the highest ranking Democrat. And how long is the term for the? There's five commissioners. Five. How commissioners. long are the term? Five years. Five years. Everything's five. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 so um, Governor Brewer. Governor Ducey, Senator Hobbs have all appointed very thoughtful, very thorough uh, members who are committed to the law first. So, and 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 part of that, in the, at least my experience, I've been doing this job for almost I'll be five years next month. Um, the 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 what's made my job 
much more enjoyable and 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 uh, um, frankly easier than it than it than it could be is you know these the commissioners have been so qualified that the that the, the governors the two governors who 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 have members on the board now and uh, the senators uh, senator uh, we have one member who was appointed by uh, Senator Leo Andrew Taylor and then two members who were appointed by Senator Hobbs um, are are so qualified. And, and they scrutinize the things that we do, and they scrutinize them against the measure of the law. I mean, if you go through our transcripts, we go back to the law every time. Now, what that means is if you disagree with the, what the commission's view of the law is, you're not going to be happy with them. But we've had very conservative Republican members uh-huh. and, and you know very liberal members come together and agree on what the law is, and the legislature does not like what they came together to agree on the laws, but our but our meetings are are um, I don't know how to put this. They are they're intellectual exercises. I mean, the folks come, the, the commissioners come prepared. Uh, I have to be prepared. Uh, our staff, the rest of the staff, has to be prepared. Um, but what's really institutionally important is that they they value. Um, and this has been true since I since I got there, and I think so. I think before I got there, and uh, certainly for the last five years, they really value uh, civility, and not civility in this sort of abstract way we're talking. Right, right. We talk about it. I mean, they do civility. So you can. So we can. You're telling us that that as you know, as as citizens, Arizona, we can trust that if, like for example, you guys are going into the educational realm, and you just sure. sponsored a study uh, yeah. from the Morris Institute. Uh, from ASU about voter participation to yeah. say who's who's not participating and yeah. and, and and why. Uh, so there's there's meetings that's from people who are appointed by Republicans and Democrats yeah. to say is this function yeah. within the the legality of right. the Clean Elections Act. That's right. And then and then the Morrison thing is a perfect example. So we work with the Morrison Institute. We've worked with them on two or three studies over the over the years. Their, uh, you know, charter is also their their tagline is policy, not politics. They they have, uh, I think they have a. Uh, I mean, again, you know, you, you, I really I think people generally trust the Morrison brand to be nonpartisan. But I'll give you an example. We when we rolled out this report, now the report has a point of view that says people ought to be voting more, right? There's a so 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 the report, you know, you can't, you know, it's not a partisan point of view. But it's a point of view. Mm-hmm. But we made sure we had a panel discussion after uh, Morrison uh, did a, its presentation on the findings where we invited uh, Paul Avalar, who's the managing uh, attorney of the Institute for Justice here in, uh, here in Arizona, who uh, 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 describes himself as a libertarian-leading <coughs> Republican. And, uh-huh. and, he had, and he had a lot to say about, you know, is this, is this is, you know, why, do we really know why these people aren't voting? Are they not voting because they don't because they just don't want to? Do we know? Now the report didn't really get into sort of ideas of a re- electoral reform. That wasn't its right, function. Right, right. So we got some criticism in the in the question answer from some liberal folks who thought we should have proposed like solutions. policy solutions. Yeah. And our view is our solution is already set forth in our mandate, which is education. Yeah. Um, but but we have but 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 Paul is one of the most uh, uh, both eloquent and intellectual guys I know in in the state. And he was there to say, you know, well, here's the things I'm skeptical of. Uh-huh. So, so, so we try to make sure that our 
um, uh, when we put on a forum, whether it's on campaign finance or something like the voter, the voter, uh, um, the, the voter, uh, uh, you know, the voter report this this week, we want to have we want to have an opportunity for we want to make sure, especially, frankly, that conservative voices are there because the the, the biggest divide ideologically about um, about uh, clean elections tends to run on a I, I don't know if it's a it, it, it's 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 more and more dr. It used to be more conservative, you know, conservative liberal okay. like libertarian, you know, where you stood on that. But it's really campaign finance has become really polarized. It's yeah, the yeah, matter. and 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 and, and, that, <laughs> and that's something we just have to live with. Yeah, maybe one example of that as we uh, let's let's finish here talking about sure. the what's going to be on the ballot this yeah. this November about clean elections is that there was a the ballot initiative or. Uh, referred to the legislature or referred to the ballot by the legislature on party lines. Uh, Republicans voted to put this on the, uh, on the ballot that would change two things about how clean elections currently run. Uh, number one, it would prohibit candidates from purchasing services from political parties uh, or other tax exempt organizations. And number two, it would subject the rules that the commission makes. Is that right? To a review by the governor's, Regulatory Council, are the well? Am I, I accurately describing? Well, the you're, two? you're certainly you're certainly describing what I believe the legislature thinks it it did. Um, certainly on the first part, it's 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 fair it's fairly clear that that's true. the 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 problem from a legal perspective, well, there's there's there's, there's three things really going on right now legally, and then I wanted to kind of can we walk through them? Absolutely, absolutely. And then, but the first thing I, I want to say is that. You know, the commission itself has not conceded that the amendment that uh, was to the uh, regulatory part of the act necessarily puts the governor's regulatory review commission over the commission. The reason we haven't conceded that is because the the way that the legislature drafted this is they took out uh, an exception that was voted in by the voters, and they took out some language about what we're supposed to file with the Secretary of State, but they did not add any additional mandates, and they ignored the fact that the Act had its own procedures for rulemaking that are already set forth in the Act. So you're you're talking about... You're talking about what they've created in terms of the language that's going to be on the ballot in November. That's right. And so my view is it's so vague that whatever their intention is, it's not explicit anywhere that the Governor's Regulatory Review Council takes over any role in our rulemaking. But if it does, that does mean that we go from a group that's appointed by Republicans and Democrats and is made up of Republicans and Democrats to our rules being subject to review by whomever any governor appoints to this governor's regulatory review council. And, you know, currently that body includes, um, you know, trade group representatives. It includes former politicians. It includes one of the founders of the Free Enterprise Club, which is one of the major anti-campaign finance groups in the state. So Um, what's their their rationale for putting this limitation on on the rulemaking ability of the commission? If, if they did it legally correctly, and if voters were to actually um, 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 buy what they're selling, um, I think what the legislature wants to do really is, 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 is um, get rid of things that are in the act without actually getting rid of them. So I'll give you a perfect example. We, uh, after a major case that went Supreme Court uh, back in... Uh, we lost. We, the commission lost back in 2010. 
there were significant revisions to the act made in 2012. Those revisions left in independent expenditure reports that have always been part of the act. And they also left in the penalties that are there for failures to file uh, reports by groups that 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 are are required to report their um, their you know uh, political committees basically. And, and do you guys right now oversee that? Yeah. Or regulate that? Yeah. And will that be expanded with the Outlaw Dirty Money Act if that passes? Does that does that give you guys the ability to? Uh, well, regulate. Well, that? I, what I'd like to do is if we if we could circle back to Absolutely. the Outlaw Dirty Money because that's a that's a whole different. We can yeah piece. we can. Um, but but just to finish the, this particular point. Those things are right in the statute, and so the legislature doesn't like them, and they no longer because. But the legislature that passed the revisions and left that power there passed that bill virtually unanimously, bipartisan. Twenty in twenty uh, twenty twelve, it was HB two seven seven nine. I think you can look it up. They mm-hmm. left it in, and they're mad that they left it in. So they've spent the last five years or you know six years denying they left in the language that gives the commission the authority over independent expenditures. Uh-huh. And they're now trying to use this backdoor uh, of getting in front of GERC to eliminate the rules that we use to mm-hmm. to make sure everybody understands how it works. So you're, you're saying that that second piece, yeah. uh, making the making the rules of commission subject to this review, yeah. it would, in effect, give them... It's not clear in there necessarily, right. but it would give them the power maybe to take away that... The, the the current situation that, that, that is the, that is what that is what the the legislators who put this on the ballot want now that having been said all that buys you is a lawsuit because mm-hmm. if GERC says and I use the acronym but the, the acronym the, when people call governors regulatory review council GERC if GERC says you can't have these rules that are based on explicit parts of the statute GERC still has to be right. They're not God. They're still courts. Uh-huh. And whether it's the commission or uh, advocates or other people who co- come uh, in front, somebody's going to, this is going to, the, re- the question of what the commission's powers are is going to be resolved by a court. So it doesn't matter what you do with this, you know, tricky, silly, Terribly drafted ballot measure. So one one silly part maybe is that there's two separate things in there. Yeah, right? well that's so right, like, and that's being litigated right I, now. So if I think that um, there needs to be a prohibition on candidates purchasing services right. from right. political parties, right? But I also don't just think, clean cans. Traditional cans can buy whatever they want, right? But I also don't think that the the rules should change. I'm yeah. kind of stuck on on how to vote because two and, things. And, and that's that's. And it the, seems like it's your opinion that. Um, even if this does pass, it, it will invite uh, a lot of messy legal uh, issues over over this. Yeah, because even if Girk says, "Hey, your rules, your rules," they've already done that. They've already done that once, and then the commission repassed the rules, and then we're kind of at this sort of what you might call a stalemate. We think Girk has no authority over us, so in a certain sense, this bill, one of the things it did is concede that Girk does. Uh, not have authority over us. They tried, it's funny, in this litig- so this litigation, as you said, over whether or not these two sections are sufficiently related to go to the ballot together or if they're or if they're log rolling, which is essentially getting voters to vote for one thing they like and they get a, have to take a bad thing they don't like to do it. So that's being litigated right now. And I, yeah, I have a strong view that this is log rolling. But, uh, you know, even if you, even if you get past the, the, the log rolling question, you're still in, in the legal question of the act has specific words in it that say things like 
any person who spends more than the threshold amount on an independent expenditure shall file reports. That's not a rule. That's a statute. Right. That's not being changed. So yeah. whatever GERC does uh, will be subject to challenge by somebody. It's just this is all going to. And right now, frankly, uh, there's a lot. There's a there's a whole there's actually litigation about parts of this right now, and that's so not still even really being, election. It's still yeah. being worked out with the language, yeah. and, and we'll um, see we'll see how that yeah. that gets. Worked and then out. the commission also, we have, the commission itself filed a lawsuit um, um, against the legislative council over the description. Of this proposition uh, in 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 the uh, uh, in the uh, which we go into and that's the still policy being, that's still yeah. being looked at. Right That'll now. be first the first hearing of the briefing on that should wrap up this week, and there's a hearing on that on okay. Friday. And do you see the how do you see the relationship between the outlaw dirty money uh, effort yeah. and, and you guys? Because it's kind of like the same idea maybe to clean up the elections, make it more transparent, bring bring the voting process yeah. uh, closer to the people. Um, but that's being, I think, challenged too right now. Yep. Do you see that as just a, cha- a tangential effort, uh, or the the, out, the outlaw money? I think that I think you know I can't speak for them. I'm, I've not been. I've you know I can say that uh, you know I I I talked a couple of times to Terry Goddard during the time he was first you know talking about this. I, I'm I'm confident that the reason that he included the Clean Elections Commission in the in the in the mix is because he's not confident that elected officials will enforce uh, the the law and and do it in a in a way that where they'll stay after it. I mean, our commission, once we or once we've set our you know once the commissioners have decided that that, that they think the law has been broken, they don't um, they don't really let it go they, they we try to pursue it to our goal is to pursue it to the point where we get the reports that's really our priority so we settle most of our matters but if you won't settle with us we'll keep going until we get the reports so it'd be fair it would be fair to call you guys almost like a watchdog over we, campaign it's one of it's one of the, it's one of the roles we were given uh the commissioners were given i should say um and so and so uh, Mr. Goddard's initiative, you know, does add to that. It's 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 a little. It's going to take some. Um, I think it's going to take some work to do to to a couple of things. I think that uh, you know there is a challenge already on the books uh, that was filed by the Free Enterprise Club and Americans for Prosperity this week. Um, he he uh, uh, he 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 proposed a constitutional amendment which requires a lot more signatures. Uh, what I've read is that he needs to have a 79 percent. Uh, 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 good return rate from the county review okay. in order to make the ballot. Uh, that's very hard. So there's a real question about whether or not this thing is going to get on the ballot. But let's assume it does, and let's assume voters go for it. Um, you know, it, it, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting piece of legislation. It is really focused on disclosure of the identity of uh, of donors. Um, uh, and and less so on the amount of their donations. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It is something that uh, uh, obviously this is at least the second time that that uh, 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 Mr. Goddard has has taken a run at this. He's been very focused on this issue since the uh, 2014 election, uh-huh. which he he I think has said very you know he and he and his uh, campaign manager both said publicly that they. They really think that dark money, you know, sort of uh, did them in at the very end of the campaign. But um, how will it change the terrain? Um, the, there's going to be a couple of things. One, there's some technological 
uh, issues in terms of you've got to build, you've got to be able to to have the information available. You've got to be able to uh, build a system, make make it implementable from a you know systemic pers- perspective. So you can only uh, you can only provide a so technology that will you, you can only. You have to make it work technologically. Yeah, yeah, got to be able to have a practical way to enforce it. Right, right. right. So, another, so, so, so that's something that'll have to be worked out. And then, the, and then I think the other thing that's going to have to be worked out is, is you know, how far can the commission, and it also allows for individual lawsuits, go towards the original, the original source. The, the, as, gotcha. you, know, you know, it's, it's so that's it's, like the chain, the chain thing. I give, you know. Right. One person gives to a second person right. who spends the money. How far can we go to detect who the first person right. was to give it to the second person? Yeah, and, and you know nothing. The commission. The, so, so the difference between that and what the commission, the commission has a statutory authority is that the commission statutory authority would make it difficult for us to go that far down the chain. Um, we we really focus. We actually really focus on the upfront spend. Um, our goal. I mean, we and we have a fight with yeah. folks about that. Um, so. So I um um uh so that would be different um and I think there I think there are um I think there are pros and cons uh um you know t- to it I think that uh, I think if it gets on the ballot however um um uh, I think that there is a real uh disconnect between how uh uh, uh folks who work within a, a square mile of the capital uh, think about elections and how people think about elections. I think that I think that before Citizens United, people didn't pay attention. We had stopped paying attention to campaign finance. You know, mm-hmm. the last time previously people had paid attention to it was when Senator McCain was pushing. Yeah, he was McCain a big advocate. Fine, <clears throat> right. So, so, so then there's this gap mm-hmm. of about ten years. Um, but but it's not really Citizens United that triggered it. It's really when John Roberts and Samuel Alito were appointed to the bench. That in 2006 was the first time that the Supreme Court struck down any a campaign finance limit at, uh-huh. in like I think basically since Buckley v. Vallejo. So that was the beginning. Finally, gets to Citizens United. That sort of becomes this kind of buzz phrase, and that and that gets into this issue of it's sort of like well, on the one hand, you know, you know what does Citizens United really mean, and and then it, and, it, and it gets it gets thrown in the ideological. Debate and thrown around. Yeah, it gets, it gets really, it gets really into the weeds there. But right. it seems like you know, it seems like what what this clean elections yeah. does, yeah. you know, is is pretty straightforward. I yeah. mean, you can you can disagree about right. it, but right. but the 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 basic function of it doesn't get too much into the weeds of all these other things. Right. Uh, that's that's maybe right. It's it, a, maybe it's a you know downward flow from those other it, things. Yeah. If the, if 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 the if the outlaw dirty money. Uh, thing uh, measure were to pass, which I think it, I think it's very possible um, um, that it would pass if it got on the, if it gets on the ballot. I think that it will. I think that I think that will get us further down the road and see how far you can go. Yeah. The reason why I think that the commission is an appropriate body for that kind of work, if you you know, I'm trying to you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm you know, even though I'm speaking for myself here, I, I'm, I'm I do want to be. But you involved. also seem to have a personal passion for this. You know, obviously, or well, you're the a director, but it seems like you you, you have a belief in clean clean uh, elections well, and this concept of transparency, I, right? I, I do. I have a I, you know I I I, I don't, we're probably running over your time here, but I have a background. Uh, in, in from the time I was from the time I was in about seventh grade until. Until I graduated college, I wanted to be a journalist, and uh-huh. I was a journalist. And then I started covering the Capitol, 
And while I was at the Capitol, you know, I got to work around real experienced journalists. Uh, people, some people have gone on to be other things. Some people have gone on to be lawyers, in fact. But, yeah. You know, Chris Mays was was a writer then. Howie Fisher's still there. I mean, people who really know their know their stuff and and got to sort of see. I didn't get to see. I don't think quite how everything works, but I saw how things worked. And the other thing that was going on at the same time was the school capital finance case. And so I got to see Tim Hogan talk. Uh-huh. And, and when Tim Hogan would show up and talk, man, I, I was like, that guy knows what he's talking about. And I would like to, I would like to, you know, now I... That was work, your inspiration I, right. to get yeah, involved. I worked, I worked, I'd worked all my time being journalist, so transparency was naturally yeah. made part of like yeah, yeah, my... Yeah. And then, I, and then, seeing the way that Tim could could simplify and explain and be listened to when he was describing um, what was going on in school capital finance, I was like, "That seems like it'd be cool to have people like think I knew what I was talking about." So I went to law school, um, and then the loop the loop of this is, as a reporter right out of school, I was at, I covered the the commission some of their initial meetings back in 1999. <laughs> and I had no expectation that I would ever end up here. But, but yes, it meshes with uh, my, my uh, entire sort of uh, personal biography. Cool. I, really, I, really, I really believe... What I believe is this, is I, what I don't like... Um, people talk about anim, an, an, anonymous speech, anonymous spending. But the thing of it is... Um, is that it's not anonymous to the folks who are doing the spending. It's not anonymous to the folks who are doing the buying the ads. The consultants know, and eventually it gets the candidates know. Right. The only people who don't know are you and me. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and that, to me, is fundamentally built into the, the idea of a public good. It is a public good for people to know um, what's happening. Now, I'm not here to say that every candidate who takes who, who is a traditional candidate is 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 quote unquote dirty. I don't, I don't believe that, um, but that's that's got nothing to do with the transparency issue. You know, gotcha, I think yeah. that I think that uh, um, I think the clean elections, the public financing is transparent. I, I would like to see that that we we continue to have the transparency we have for candidate reporting because uh-huh. you can go out to Texas, they don't have any of this stuff. Yeah. You, they can take for corporation, take from anybody. If you get rid of so if you get, so I'd like to see that remain. I I do believe that campaign finance limits um um serve a purpose. Uh the courts have said they serve an anti-corruption purpose. Um I think I think part of the anti-corruption purpose is they they serve as kind of Kind of a, if you imagine when you put the bumpers down at a at a bowling alley, uh-huh. you know, they're kind of a prophylactic that says, "Hey, I need to you know trigger in your mind. Oh yeah, there's some laws here. I got it that that I think help actually protect yeah. legislators from getting into bribery type situations yeah. if they think about this is a you know this is this yeah and, I, and, ul- and ultimately I think the goal is uh, to get better. Better policies that that are working working for the people. Well, yeah, people right. are going. The policy decisions are going to get made, and the voters are going to make their decision. The goal is connect the voters with their candidates, connect the voters with their issues, and let them vote informed. So, one last question for you. Sure, sure. We first started uh, interacting on Twitter yeah. by I think arguing about LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. a big LeBron I James am. fan. I am. I am. I'm not. Yes. Um, I'm a hater. Self, <laughs> a self. I admit that I'm a hater. What do you think about the move to, to L.A.? Are you uh, conflicted now, of your well, Suns you know, and Lakers, or well, do you think he's going to have success there? Yeah, the fu- funny thing is, I, I, 
you may be a hater, but I'm a contrarian by nature. And I, when <laughs> That's I was, why I'm a hater. <laughs> I am too. When I was a kid, so when I was a kid, our next-door neighbors were from Boston. Uh-huh. And this was when the, the, I think this was 83 or 84, one of the big Boston versus uh, L.A., uh, uh, we lived outside of Chicago at the time, and this, but it was I'm I'm old, so the Chicago's best player at this time was Reggie Theus. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so I went over to my neighbor's house. We were watching the finals, and they liked the Celtics. They're from Boston, so I just decided I'd be a Lakers fan. Uh-huh. And Magic became my favorite player, uh-huh. and I was a big Lakers fan. And then, and then you know we we moved around, blah blah blah. And and I and I you know I do I do I do wish for the Suns to be a good team again, like, you know, I mean, either that or maybe have a public vote on just, like, you know, maybe just condemning the team and making <laughs> public ownership. I'm still waiting to have this to turn into LeBron. I'm getting thing. there. I'm getting okay. there. I'm getting there. So, anyway, so the Lakers get to the get to the 2000s, and I'm not a, I'm not a Kobe guy. Uh, I, I do – I think Kobe is – you know, I think he's just a selfish basketball player. Yeah. He's not Michael Jordan. He's Agreed. not Magic Johnson. And so – I kind of tuned out the Lakers. I was just like, uh-huh. you know what? I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Uh, do so so for, so to have Magic Johnson bring LeBron James to L.A. I like. Now what happens next? And then you got Luke Walden from U of A. I went to U of A. Uh-huh. I mean, Luke Walden was playing <laughs> when I was in, was I was in school. I mean, you know, I I I can't not. I cannot. I don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, I don't know how they're gonna pull it off. I think this year is going to be very very rough. But. You know, I I I I, the, I just I I you know, I like the idea of LeBron having a stage where he can get theoretically more exposure and you know, he it's big enough for him. I mean, the fact of the matter is he went back to Cleveland because he wanted to bring a championship to Cleveland. That was his goal. That's something he felt he owed his own t- hometown, which is something I admire about it. Uh-huh. And all our moves around, we lived in Cleveland for a while, too, when, when Brad so is Doherty that why, and Mark Price... is that Price, why you liked him so much? Because he's a great player and, and moved back to, to I, his hometown? I li- have, you I been, like, have you been a fan the whole time? I like him because I think he's the greatest basketball player I've ever watched play basketball. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think he's the smartest player I've ever seen watch basketball. You, you you see that one press conference during the final or the uh no it was before the finals. It was, it was in the it was in the it was in the Eastern Conference finals where he recited back like seven like seven plays when they said yeah. well what happened and he went yeah. through all the I mean the guy is a is a genius. Uh, I also uh, I, I like the fact that he's willing to be hated. Yeah. I think that you know I mean Michael Jordan was unwilling under any circumstances to say anything or do anything that would subject him to criticism. LeBron James will, if you don't like him how he is, then you don't like him. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I I could say a lot of uh, counterpoints yeah, about please, LeBron. Come on, but, uh, well, um, I think he's super sensitive to myself. Okay. And okay. I think that, that, that impacts the decisions that he's made. I think uh, I... I I've always thought he was a little bit of a prima donna, even though I know he's so good. I think one of his, one of the things that makes him one of the greatest ever is he does coaching. I think he's been his own coach yeah. this whole time. Yeah. You know, if his coach wants to do something, he disagrees. They do that. Yeah. So he's uh, that's true. He's basically his own coach. He's basically his own general manager. So I think being, and I think he wants to be an owner. I think yeah. he transcends all that. Um, the one, I've always thought, it, you know, his uh, his ego has transcended his talent even though he's so talented um i think uh i think he took the easy way by creating his own team in miami Mm. um 
maybe he went back to Cleveland for virtuous purposes, but also maybe he went back um, for his brand. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. I can't judge that. I do think, even though I, I think I, I push back on he's the greatest of all time. You know, I think uh, Jordan was just so cutthroat, man. And well, he's uh, certainly the greatest player. To... I, I think he's. I think I, I. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, hard to judge eras. And I. And, I, and yeah, I'm not. A, yeah. And I was not a huge. I never was a huge and Michael positions. Jordan fan. Yeah. And people. And people say, oh, uh, Jordan had had Pippen. Uh, yeah, he did, but he's yeah. also he also created you know loyalty sure. of his teammates. Sure. LeBron James, you know, he won his championships. He won with Dwayne Wade, who was NBA Finals MVP. Yeah. Chris Bosh, um, and then he went back to to Cleveland, yeah. with, which had a which had a good roster, but with Kyrie Irving, yeah. who didn't want to stick around. You know, I think I think it, I think there's a little bit of a myth that he makes his teammates better. I haven't seen really any evidence of that. As a matter of fact, he kind of, to me, he, he held Cleveland hostage in, in a way by always doing one-year contracts and no no good players wanted to go commit there yeah. and wanted to have his own buddies around him and, and kind of create his own his own sphere, which I think, uh, yeah, it maybe gets you to the finals, but doesn't create an atmosphere that you can you know be really good in terms of team chemistry over the long haul. I think that's a fair criticism, and I think, I think that really comes back to the fact that LeBron and Dan Gilbert do not like each other, and they never have. And they managed yeah. to keep it together long enough to get that one title, and then and then their whatever relationship of convenience they were able to keep ran out of gas. Yeah, which which good for them, good for Cleveland. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad um, for them they didn't burn his jersey this time. When right. Left. So. Um, but but I think I think I think that really but that may be that. To your point, I mean that's part of ego, but Dan Gilbert's ego is no smaller <laughs> yeah. than LeBron's. I mean, there's there's probably uh, I mean there's so many egos in that game. Well, it's, uh, you know, and I think this is. I mean, I really think that this is really the 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 most interesting time in NBA history in terms of the ability of players to have some autonomy over things. And yeah, yet, and then you see Kawhi Leonard, who's sort of the definitely. limit, reaching the limit of he's not getting to go where he wants to go. Yeah. So it's it's really, uh, um, um, I mean, I, I don't know if, it, if you know. But he look, might in a, when, it's, you know, when he right, comes to fruition. Right, right. I mean, You're absolutely right. The game, the game has changed. Everyone's yeah. uh, their own brand. Everyone's. Right. Uh, Everyone wants to play Jordan, Golden I mean, State. Jordan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I willing would. to sign with Golden State. Yeah, I would. Hey. <laughs> Can make a free throw. That's right, and in fact, you know, I'm, and I'm I'm all for my years of eligibility left if I ever go to grad school again. Yeah, hey. start it, start it back up. Well, Tom, thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's oh, a lot of thank fun, you. It's been uh, great talking with you. Uh, this is the Political Notebook podcast. You can subscribe on any podcasting app. Catch Tom on Tom Collins AZ Twitter handle, uh, or you can look at the Clean Elections website azcleanelections.gov. Thanks for listening.